Hey, my name is Phil and this is my wife Meredith and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. Joel chapter two, we're gonna be reading from a portion of scripture that we don't often talk about too much, Joel chapter two. If you don't know what Joel means, then that's totally fine. It's gonna be on the screen today so that you can track along or if it takes you a minute to get there, then that's fine as well. You can just mark down in your notes that we're preaching out of Joel chapter two today. And verse 17 reads like this. I'm reading from the ESV. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? I wanna draw particular attention to the very first portion of that scripture, between the vestibule and the altar, between the vestibule and the altar. God, I'm thankful that you are here today, that your presence has been experienced in song today. We've been worshiping you already. We've been joining with the angels. God, I thank you that you are a God of the mountaintop and the valley. I thank you that you are with us in the good times and the bad times. God, I thank you that you are the alpha and the omega. God, I thank you that we can experience you in the good times and the bad times and everything in between. We give you the praise for it today. God, I ask that you would speak through me clearly today. And God, I ask that you would do what you've told me that you would do, and that you would make this a great experience for someone today, where they would encounter you for the very first time. I'm thankful for it today, Lord. And everybody said? Amen. 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 How many are thankful for the faithfulness of God? That he is the alpha and the omega, that he is the beginning and the end, he is the first and the last that he has made us to be above only and not beneath, that he has given us great things to do, that he has made us the head and not the tail, that he is our God in the good times and also in the bad times. Romans 8, 38 says, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love these promises because they show us that in the opposition of these statements, height and depth and good and bad, what they show us is the expansive nature of God. What they show us is that my God is not limited, that my God is a big God, that he is the God in my good times and in my bad times, that he is the God over my mountaintop experiences and he is my God over my valley experiences. He is my God amongst all of those things. It tells me that that he can remove my sin from me as far as the east is from the west. It tells me that God is able to do great things, that he's not a limited God, that he's not a small God, but that he's a big God. And this is important to me because I wanna know that my God is with me in my valley experiences. I need to know that my God is with me when my world is falling apart. I need to know that my God is with me when my marriage is breaking down. I need to know that my God is with me when I just lost my job. I need to know that my God is with me in my difficult times. I need to know that my God is present in my valley seasons. I need to know that my God will walk with me, not just if I'm in a valley, but if I walk into a valley. 
not just in a valley that somebody else created for me, but I need to know that my God is with me, even if I walked myself out of my own stupidity into the valley that I find myself. I need to know that my God is with me in my valley seasons. Even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I need to know that my God is with me. And just like I need to know that my God is with me in my valley seasons, I need to know that my God is with me in my mountain seasons as well. I need to know that he is my God when I am walking in success. I need to know that he is drawing success in my direction. I need to know that he is attracting success to me. I need to know that that promotion that I just got, that it's because of him. I need to know that I am successful and that it is him that has caused success to be drawn in my direction. I need to know that I'm not alone in my success. I need to know that he cares about me. When I choose the right thing to do, even if my flesh tells me not to do it, I need to know that God is pleased with me. I need to know that if I just passed that exam, that God looks at me and smiles and that he sees it. I need to know that God cares about my success, that he doesn't just care about my valley experiences, that he also cares about my mountain experiences as well. I need to know that God cares about all of it, that he cares with me, about me in the good and in the bad. And what I have found though is that most of my life is not just mountaintop experiences and most of my life is not just valley experiences. A vast majority of my life is lived in the in-between. It's lived in the in-between. It's not lived in the ecstasy of the mountaintop. It's not lived in the valley of despair. Most of my life is lived in the in-between. It's lived in the mundane middle. And so I want you to look at the nearest person to you and just tell them he's the God of the in-between as well. He's the God of the in-between. That's what I want to talk about today is that God is not just God of the mountaintop, but that he's also the God of the in-between. He's not just the God of the valley experience. He's also the God of the in-between. And I, I, call, I call different people each week on the phone, and I just call to check in on different church members and just see how you're doing. Sometimes I text, sometimes I call. I just follow up with different people just to check in on how you're doing. And I always love the different ways that people respond whenever I call. Some people are really grateful for the call and for the check-in. Thank you so much, Pastor Phil, for calling and just checking in on me. I really appreciate it. And some people are confused as to why I would call, and some people aren't sure exactly why it is that I would be calling. And then there are other people that get defensive when I call. And the conversation usually goes a little bit like this. I'll call and I'll say, hey, such and such, this is Pastor Phil from Cornerstone. I'm just calling today to check in. I just wanna see how you're doing. And then the person responds back to me, well, I don't know why you're calling. I was at church on Sunday, <laughs> right? And I have to laugh in that moment because what that's telling me is that you think that the only reason that you would receive a call on Tuesday from the pastor is if you weren't at church on Sunday. I don't know what you've been, been missing, but we declare Jesus everywhere. We don't just declare Jesus on Sunday mornings, we declare Jesus on Tuesday afternoons. We don't just declare Jesus in bad times and in good times, we declare Jesus at all times throughout the week. And so part of what I'm trying to do, part of what I'm trying to articulate to you is that God cares about your Tuesday afternoon just as much as he cares about your Sunday morning. There's no difference when it comes to God. God cares about you when you're folding your laundry. God cares about you when you're going to the bank. God cares about you when you're showing up to work. God cares about you when you're dropping your kids off at school. God cares about you. God sees you. 
And so part of what I'm trying to do when I call you is just to communicate to you, God sees you in this moment that you're in. You don't just have to be at church on a Sunday morning for God to see you and for you to experience God and for you to encounter God. God sees you at all times. And so we declare Jesus over every good experience and over every bad experience and everything that is in between. He is the God of the in-between as well. And this is, this is important because what I have found about our mountaintop experiences is that our mountaintop experiences, while I'm glad that God is there with me, they fade pretty quickly. And what I have found about our valley experiences is that while I am glad that God is there with me, they also fade pretty quickly. And what I need to know is that God is with me in the middle. And this middle type of season, this is kind of hard to describe and it's kind of hard to define because it's often described not by what it is, but it's often described by what it's not. We often talk about this in-between season where it's not a necessarily a Goliath-killing season. It's not necessarily a soul-crushing season at work. It's not necessarily something great that's going on. It's just okay. It's just okay. When I ask you how you're doing, you often just say, yeah, I'm okay. Life is all right, it's not necessarily incredible, it's not necessarily terrible, I haven't won the lottery yet, but I also am not struggling to make ends meet. Life is just okay, my marriage is not falling apart and I'm also not necessarily connecting really well with my spouse, life is just okay. I haven't got that promotion yet and I also am not in risk of losing my job, life is just okay, life is just okay. That's what the in-between is often defined by. It's just okay. And we have an uneasy relationship with the in-between because we don't know how to talk about it. We don't know how to feel in the in-between. We don't know what to say about it. We, we are awkward in this season of the in-between. That's why on social media, we often curate our posts to try and make it look like our life is more interesting than it really is because we can't just show people how boring our life might actually be. We have to try and make things look more interesting and so we position our things on our table and our food and we, we make everything look more interesting than it might actually be. That's why I was only on the app Be Real for like a month because I realized that it would come up and it would remind me to take a photo of whatever I was doing in that moment and I realized pretty quickly my life is pretty boring. And people don't wanna see the boring side of my life, people wanna see the curated side of my life. People wanna see the engaging side of life. People wanna see the, the pretty side of my life, the sexy side of my life. People wanna see the good side of my life, not just the, the boring side of my life where I'm sitting at my desk or I'm eating my breakfast or whatever that is. People don't wanna see the mundane in between. And so I got off Be Real and now I'm back on Instagram and back on all those other platforms. And, and that's why I think that people wanna see the positive, people wanna see the interesting, people don't wanna see the in-between. And, and I wonder if that's what was going on between when Jesus was crucified and when Jesus was resurrected. There's this in-between period where we call it the silent Saturday, when no one quite knew exactly what to do. 
We see that Simon Peter goes back to fishing. We see that some disciples start hiding in a room. We see that the women decided to go to the gravesite so that they could grieve. And everybody started doing something different because everybody didn't know exactly what they were meant to be doing in this in-between. In this in-between between the valley that they had experienced and the mountaintop that they were getting ready to experience, there was this mundane in-between that they didn't know quite what to do with. And it's not just true in the Easter experience of the Silent Saturday. This is true for most of Jesus' life. We, we know practically nothing about his life between when he was born and when he was 30 years old. Like we know the moments surrounding his birth, we know about a brief moment when he was 12 years old, and then we know that his ministry started when he was about 30, but we know practically nothing that takes place between his life between zero and 30 years old. These are the years of the mundane middle. We don't know what Jesus was like when he was a teenager. We don't know what Jesus was like. We don't know what conversations he was having, who he was hanging out with. We don't know much about his relationship with his mother. We don't know how he prayed when he was a teenager. We know how he told us to pray when he was an adult, but we don't know what he was like when he was a teenager. And because it doesn't communicate much about what life was like for Jesus in this mundane in-between, it's hard for us to know how to live in our mundane in between, in our in-between period that we have. It's hard for us to know how to pray in the in-between. It's easy for us to pray in our valley moments. It's easy for us to pray when our life is falling apart. It's easy for us to pray when we are desperate, like, God, I need you to move on my behalf. God, God, I need you to bring this relationship back together. God, I need a promotion in my job because, because I don't have the funds to make the ends meet at the end of this month. God, I need you to move in my life because everything is falling apart around. It's easy to pray when your life is falling apart, when you're in a valley season. And it's also easy to pray when everything is going well for you. It's easy to pray when you're filled with gratitude for what God has given you in your life. When you know that everything that you have is because of the goodness of God. When you know that you have success after success because God has brought it into your life. God, I thank you that you are better to me than I am to myself. God, I thank you that you look in my direction. God, I thank you for your favor. I thank you for your prosperity. God, I thank you for what you're doing in my It's easy to pray when you're in a mountaintop experience. It's easy to pray when you're in a valley experience, but it's tough to know what to pray in your in-between. It's tough to know what to pray when you're in your in-between. And this is true not just for Jesus. We don't know much about his mundane in-between season. It's also true for Paul. Paul wrote half of the New Testament and we know practically nothing about what takes place between his experience on the road to Damascus and when he started writing letters to the churches. These are called the silent years. For about 10 years of Paul's life, he was silent. He wasn't writing publicly. He wasn't speaking publicly. He was silent during this time. And what I love about this is that we don't know what he was doing, we don't know where he was going, but Paul sat quietly learning and growing and being stretched and listening during this in-between season, during these silent years for him. And I like it about Paul that he is always willing to use his in-between season to learn and to grow and to be stretched. I like this because we live in a culture that says that we don't need to have an in-between season. 
We live in a culture that says the moment that you receive an announcement of something, you should do something with that thing. The moment that an announcement, the moment that you become pregnant with something, you should birth that thing. Right? We live in a culture that says as soon as you become aware of an issue, you should start doing something about that thing. The moment that you start caring about addiction recovery in our community, you should start a nonprofit to work in that thing. The moment that you start caring about food insecurity, you should start a food pantry. The moment that you think about a product, you should start a business. And what I love about the silent years for Paul is that it tells us that we should spend some time between the announcement of a thing in our life and the delivery of something. Because what takes place between the announcement and the delivery is a whole lot of growth. And that's what would take place in us if we paused for long enough between when God shows us something and before we did something about it. Part of, what, like I, part of what I get so frustrated about is that we have over 3,000 nonprofits in this county alone. And this isn't even in my notes, but I just need to vent about this for a moment because what we see is that so many of these nonprofits are doing the exact same thing as everybody else. Because as soon as God has given you an issue to care about or a people to care about or something to care about, then we feel the need to start a nonprofit about that thing. Just because God has told you about an issue doesn't mean that you need to start a nonprofit, doesn't mean that you need to start care, doesn't mean that you need to start a business about that thing. There are, there are so many things that you can do if you take what God has given you and start serving the mission and the organization of somebody else. Instead of having to learn about 501c3 law, instead of having to learn about 990s, instead of having to learn about the IRS, instead of having to learn about how to market and how to fundraise, and instead of learning how to do all of these things and HR law and all of these kind of things, you would be so much more effective if you took the issue that you cared about and then you started serving the ministry that somebody else had. You would be so much more effective if instead of having to start a business yourself, you join team with somebody else. You would be so much more effective in the thing that God had given you to do if you didn't have to do it yourself, if you didn't have to be the CEO or the director of whatever organization that it might be. And we would see this community transformed if every organization didn't have to compete with the next organization about that thing. We would if we just paused for long enough to understand what God is saying to us, I'm glad that you care about the issue, but you don't have to start a nonprofit to care for the issue. I'm glad that you have created a product, but you don't have to start a business to sell that product. You can partner with somebody else. And this is what we're doing as a church. We are moving from being siloed to being in partnership. We don't have to do everything ourselves as a faith community. We can partner with other people that are also doing good work. We don't, have to start a, we don't have to start a food pantry as a church to be effective to see people fed. We can partner with other organizations that are feeding people. If Jesus had started his ministry when he was 18 years old, it would have looked vastly different than what it ended up looking like. If Paul had started his ministry when he first got saved on the road to Damascus, instead of waiting for those silent years, it would have looked vastly different than what it ended up looking like. But both of them, 
allowed for this mundane middle experience so that they could learn and they could grow and they could listen to what God was saying so that they could hear strategy about how to be effective instead of jumping straight past that growing season and jumping straight into the delivery season. The reason that I wanna talk about this today about the mundane middle is because what I see is so many people wasting their mundane middle. So many people are wasting their in-between. And this is not just something that you do, this is something that I do as well. There have been seasons in my life where I have wasted the in-between. And I think about my time when I was in high school. I, I think about, about these Friday nights that I had when I was in high school and sometimes I would have things to do but sometimes my brothers would go out with their friends and sometimes my friends would go out and do different things. And, and I had these Friday nights where I would be by myself and I hated them because I was an, I'm an extrovert and I wanted to be around people and I would have these Friday nights when I was in high school and I would be frustrated because I would be by myself. And instead of using that time to learn about what it means to enjoy your own company, I always longed to be with somebody else. And so during that time, I started thinking and desiring to find a spouse because if I found a spouse, then I would never have to be by myself ever again. And then I got married. And I realized that my wife wants to be by herself sometimes. And it caused all kinds of conflict when we first got married because I would think that we were going to be together like joined at the hip for the rest of our lives. And then what I found pretty quickly is that Meredith wanted to leave the house sometimes without me. And I would be like, what's wrong with you? We got married so that we never have to be alone ever again. And I thought that there was something wrong with her because she wanted to leave the house by herself. And I, I thought that there was something wrong with her because she wanted to be in our house sometimes by herself. And then I realized that there wasn't something wrong with her. I realized that there was something that was missing in me, that I had never learned about how to enjoy my own company. I had never learned about how to appreciate the gift of solitude because I was always dependent on somebody else to fill what they couldn't fill in my life. And I had wasted that in-between season that I had when I was a teenager. Don't waste your in-between. Whatever in-between that you might find yourself in today, don't waste your in-between. The beauty of the in-between is that God is present in your in-between. Just like God is present in your mountaintop experience and just like he's present in your valley experience, God is also present in your in-between. It doesn't matter whether it's Monday, Tuesday, or Friday. It doesn't matter whether you're here at the church or whether you are depositing a, a check at the bank. It doesn't matter whether you're dropping your kids off at school on Wednesday. It doesn't matter what you're doing. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. What that tells me is that he's my God of the mountain experience and he's my God of the valley experience. The earth is is the Lord's. Every mountaintop experience is the Lord's. Every valley experience is the Lord's and everything that is in between. The earth is the Lord's and everything that is in it. Now, it's, it's one thing to, to be in a season of in-between where you are learning and where you are growing and where you are listening and where you are being stretched. It's one thing to be in that season of in between, where everything is not necessarily amazing and everything is not necessarily terrible. You're just in the in-between. It's one thing to be in a season like that, and it's another thing to be trapped in the in-between. 
It's another thing altogether when you are trapped in the in-between and you can't remember the last time that you experienced something good and you can't remember the last time you experienced something bad. You're just in the in-between. And you've been trapped there for some time and instead of showing up to church with expectation and instead of showing up to work with expectation, you've allowed yourself just to be fat and sassy and sitting back and not allowing God to do anything through your life because you aren't expecting anything to happen in your life. And so now you're just waiting for other people to do the hard work. Now, because you've become so good at your job, you are now complacent in your job. And so you're not expecting for God to do anything special in your job, you're just trapped in the in-between. And so if you're one of the trapped ones, then I've got four questions that I wanna ask you real quick. They're gonna be on the screen and you can write them down. If you are trapped in the in-between, there's four questions that I want you to ask yourself today about why am I trapped in the in-between? First question is this, am I denying myself? Luke 9 and 23 says, then he said to them all, he being Jesus, if anyone wants to follow after me, let, himself, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Adam and Eve back in the garden, they refused to deny themselves. Instead, they pursued self-indulgence rather than self-denial, and we have been doing the exact same thing ever since then. Are you denying yourself? Instead of giving yourself exactly what you want, instead of giving yourself exactly what your flesh desires, are you denying yourself? That's the first question that I want you to ask yourself today. Are you denying yourself if you're trapped in the in-between? Second question that I want you to ask yourself is, am I meeting with unbelievers? Acts 2 and 46 and 47 says they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved." The early Christians that we read about in the book of Acts devoted themselves to being with other believers, being in unity with other believers, meeting with other believers, not being in isolation, not just going to work and then going home and watching four hours of Netflix or three hours of TikTok, not just being in isolation, but being in community with other believers. The second question that you gotta ask yourself if you feel trapped in the in-between is, are you meeting with other believers? Third question that I want you to ask yourself today if you are trapped in the in-between is, are you sharing the gospel? Are you sharing the gospel? Acts 5 and 42 says, every day in the temple and in various homes, they continued teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Even in the middle of persecution, they proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. We declare Jesus everywhere as a community. Are you also declaring Jesus everywhere? Are you declaring Jesus at your home, across your fence post to your neighbors in your workplace? We can't just do it corporately as a church community. We do it individually as Christians as well. Proclaiming the goodness of Jesus is not just an encouragement. It is a mandate of Christians. This is not just something that we might be doing, this is something that we are told that we should be doing. It is the very calling of the church. The fourth question that I want you, want to, you to ask yourself today is, am I trusting the promise of eternal glory? 
Am I trusting the promise of eternal glory? 2 Corinthians 5 and 16 says, Therefore we do not give up, even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. It is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. And whether you know it or not today, your body is decaying. We are going from dust to dust. You might not like to think about it, but soon enough, we will all be dust again. And just like our body is decaying, simultaneously as that is happening, our spirit is being renewed. Our spirit is being renewed by the Holy Spirit. We are being made more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And so you might think that you have an ordinary life. You might think that you have a boring life, but you have anything but. What this means is that God has given us the ability to be a part of the family of God. What this means is that God has given us the ability to be a part of the greatest story that is ever told. What this means is that God is with us in the valley experience and the mountain experience and everything that is in between. God has given us the ability. While you might think that your life is a long period of time, your life is just a moment in the vast expanse of eternity. And we have the ability to be a part of the greatest story that has ever been told. Your life is not boring. Your life is not ordinary. God is present with you in the good times and in the bad times and the in-between. When you're washing dishes, when you're folding laundry, God is with you in the in-between. And this, this takes me back to Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2, verse 17. Between the vestibule and the altar. Between the vestibule and the altar. What, what this scripture says further down is that as they called out and cried out to God between the vestibule and the altar, God heard their prayers. As they cried out to God between the vestibule and the altar, he responded to their request. As they cried out to God between the vestibule and the altar, he responded to the very request and the very calls that they had made to him. He responded to the desires that they had put on their hearts. God responded to them when they cried out to God between the vestibule and the altar. And you might not know what a vestibule is. It's not a word that many of us use if you're outside of building buildings and knowing about building code and all of those kind of things. A vestibule is like just a lobby, right? That is the very first space that you encounter when you walk into a building. That is the vestibule. Other versions of this scripture talk about it being a porch or being a portico. As you cry out to God from the portico, from the porch, from the very space that you enter into the building to the altar, God will respond. And th this, is the, this is the main part that I want you to get out of today. This is the most important part that you need to hear today, is that we don't just have to cry out to God at the altar. 
We don't just have to meet God at the altar. We don't just have to receive salvation at the altar. We don't just have to experience the presence of God at the altar. If we would be a people that would meet God from the vestibule to the altar and everywhere in between, then God would hear our prayers and God would respond on our behalf. If we would be a people that wouldn't just cry out to God in the altar in our valley times, and we wouldn't just thank God for the mountain times, if we would be a people that would cry out to God on every time in between, then we would see God respond to our prayers. If we would be a people that would be desperate enough to call out to God, not just on Sunday, but on Tuesday and Thursday and Saturday. If we would call out to God everywhere in between, if we would give God our entire selves, not just our good times and our bad times, but everywhere in between, I believe that God would do something incredible in our community. If we would meet God between the vestibule and the altar. You don't just have to meet God here at the altar. You can meet God anywhere. You can experience God anywhere. It doesn't matter how good your life is. It doesn't matter how bad your life is. It doesn't matter how okay your life is. You can meet God anywhere. And so I'm gonna ask that everybody be standing in this moment because I wanna ask a really important question today. And that is if you would allow God to be the ruler over your entire life, not just that you would meet him when your life is terrible, because many of us met God when our life was terrible. And you wouldn't just give God your mountaintop experience, and I'm glad that you've given God that, but I also wanna know if you would give God your in-between. Because if God doesn't rule your mundane middle, then he's not the ruler of your life. Because most of our life is lived in the in-between. And I'm glad that you've met him when your life was hard and I'm glad that you've met him when your life was good. But what I wanna ask today is if you would be willing to allow God to be your God of your mundane middle as well. Because if you're able to meet God there, then everything will change. And so whether you don't know Jesus and you've never met him before, or if you've only ever experienced God when your life was bad, if you've only ever experienced God in the valley, if you've only ever experienced God when life was good, and you've never met Him in your middle, if you've never met Him in your mundane in-between, this is your moment to allow God to be the ruler of your entire life. And again, I want you to do something that's really bold in this place. I want you to raise your hand with me and I want you to say that, I, that you want God to be the ruler of everything, that you want God. Man, I'm so glad that you raised your hand today because as I stood up here today, I should have said this earlier. As I stood up here today, I looked at you and God told me something special is gonna happen in your life today. And I am so glad that you have raised your hand today. And I'm so glad that other people are raising their hands, but I am so glad that you have responded today because I believe that God has something special for you. I believe that God's hand is all over you. I believe that God is gonna give you the desires of your heart, that as you start to deny yourself, that God would do something special in your life. 
I'm so glad that you raised your hand to say that, that it's not about you, that it's not about what you can achieve, but it's about what God can do through you. That you're not pursuing your own life, but that you are pursuing what God has given you to do. And I want you to know today that God sees you, and I want you, because God wouldn't have brought my attention to you if He didn't see you. I want you to know today that God sees you, that He loves you, that He is here for you, and He is a very present God for you, and whatever that it is that you're going through. I want you to know that today. Is there anyone else today that is gonna raise their hand and say, God, I want you to be my God of my in-between. God, I, I might not have ever, I see these hands up here right now. You, you've given God your mountaintop and you've given God your valley, but you also wanna give God your in-between. And you say, God, be the ruler of my entire life. God, be the ruler of every experience that I have. God, be the ruler of my, of my Monday and my Wednesday and my Friday. I need you, God. I need you, God. I see these hands all over the building. God, I'm so thankful for what you're doing in this place. God, I thank you for what you're doing with us. Let's all pray together. God, I'm thankful that you are. God, I thank you that you're the God of my mountaintop experience, that you're with me when things are good. God, I thank you that you're with me when I'm in success, that I'm not alone in those times. And God, likewise, I'm thankful that I'm not alone in my valley experience. And God, I thank you that you see me when I think that my life is boring. God, I thank you that you see me when I'm in the in-between. God, I thank you that you're with me in the mundane middle as well. And God, all of us that have raised our hands today, we commit today to turning from our own ways and pursuing you. We, to, we commit today to turning from a life of self-indulgence and instead being filled with a life of self-denial, knowing, God, that we are pursuing you now. God, we receive you into our life today, asking that you would do what only you can do. God, we cannot reach you by ourselves, but because we have been washed by the perfect blood of Jesus Christ, because we have been washed anew. God, we're thankful that you don't just see us, that you see your son when you look at us. God, I'm thankful for your gift, for your love, for your sacrifice that was made for us. And God, I'm thankful that we have been made in right relationship today with you. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this place, that we can experience you from the vestibule to the altar and everywhere that is in between, from sections one to section six. I'm thankful that we can experience you everywhere. God, I'm thankful that we can experience you around the, old, around the balcony. God, I'm thankful that we can experience you online as well today, God. I'm thankful that your presence is manifested everywhere. I'm thankful for what you are doing in our church, God. I'm thankful for the lives that have been transformed. And if you're also thankful for that today, would you give God a mighty round of applause and thank Him.